0: Please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the GeorgiaCary.org Radio Hour. I am your host, Doug King. This week, uh, Jesse is recovering from surgery, so it is just me this week, and it is the holiday weekend. It is Fourth of July weekend in 2016, and we are remembering all of the reasons that we... Enjoy freedom in this country. The Fourth of July is a fantastic holiday. You know, there there are some quintessential holidays that, that come to mind. You know, there's Christmas that's celebrated the world over and, and it is a spirit of giving and remembering what Christ did for us on the earth. There are um, there's Halloween, which is a time to reflect on, on life and death and all of the things that frighten us and revel in our power over them. But the 4th of July is is truly unique. The 4th of July is the holiday where we step back and say, why are we here as a country? You know, this is Independence Day. This is why this country was founded and what this country means. And there isn't really a holiday anywhere else in the world quite like the American Independence Day. (coughs) Our ability (coughs) to look at at the fireworks, to uh, have the parades to see the, the military veterans walking down Main Street. Our love of what it means to be an American and what it means to be free is, is encapsulated in this holiday. And, of course, what is more American than barbecue and grilling out and hot dogs and hamburgers over charcoal and, and, and the, the camaraderie that comes with it, the, the family and time together as a family. Um this Fourth of July I'm going to be uh, my my children are home, which is a blessing and we're going to be enjoying the the Cartersville parade, which is closest to where I live the The downside is is that I know many of you are aware I'm running for office up there, so I will be uh shaking hands and collecting signatures and it's not really going to be a day off for for your host and this week this year, but it's a necessary thing for us to push forward in our endeavor to collect signatures and for me to obtain what I think is an important office. But that in and of itself, although it's not a day off for me, it again is a celebration of what it means to be an American. And I think that that is something that is being lost. Our country is losing perspective on what it means to be an American, what what it means to to assimilate into the American culture, what it means to, to become more than what we were when we first came here. And There are a lot of people who have anti-immigrant sentiments right now. I am not one of them. I think our country is founded on immigration. I think that immigration makes us a stronger nation. But there is a give and take to that, too. When you immigrate to a country and you emigrate from where you came from, there's a difference there. When you take on that and and come to a new land— are you coming because you want to be a part of that country? Is it because you want to embrace their values and not exactly throw away who you were before, but to merge into a new culture and embrace what it means to be a part of that culture? Or do you come because you want something out of it and you are separate and apart? The the latter is not immigration. The latter is simply Visitor status. These are people who come here for temporary, for a job, come for, you know, medical treatment, come for education, which are all offered and, and are above reproach in America. But they come for a reason, not for an experience. When, when I moved to Alaska, I wasn't going there for a job. I had taken a job. I went there to, to embrace the culture. And I I think I drank deeply from that cup. and, And it really did change the way I looked at the world. When I moved back to Georgia, I'm here and I am involved in local politics. And I'm involved with Georgia Carey. And I'm involved in all these outlets because I want to make Georgia great. I want to make Georgia the best place it can be. Just like I wanted to make Alaska the best place it could be while I spent my time there. And the only place that I really didn't. You know, really like integrate with when I was there was Minnesota. I, I lived in Minnesota for many years, but I was never a Minnesotan. I, it just, I never picked up the accent. Um, the Minnesota nice is, is very true. The people up there are very nice. I never was able to get behind the liberal thinking that predominated the, the culture up there. I worked for a congressman there and, and I, I tried to, understand, but I was always a man apart in Minneapolis because my value system, my, my core beliefs were, were different, and I didn't, wasn't able to really assimilate into the culture that is that kind of Midwestern liberal um, philosophy. And I went to the most liberal university in the country. You think UC Berkeley's got nothing on the Minnesota Twin Cities campus. You know, critical constructivism as a political science theory was developed at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus. And I would sit there in class and argue with these great mind professors who were, were, you know, espousing critical constructivism as the defining way of analyzing political thought globally. And we would just go toe to toe. And, and most of them loved it. Most of them loved to have someone who didn't just sit there and smile and nod and take whatever they say but to be challenged and to be argued with and i think that i helped improve a lot of their papers because of my my rebuttals and and my my dogged attacks but i wasn't in that culture i never really fit in now here here i feel like i am a part of the community and this is a larger p- larger issue than just part of the community of of cartersville or of atlanta or of georgia this is a part about being you know who we are as a people and we have seen a dramatic shift in who we are as a people especially in the last 30 years and i want to say that the 1968 gun control act and the uh, for, uh firearms owner protection act of 1986 those two events deeply shifted what it meant to be an American and what it meant to be an American citizen and what American culture meant to people. Before the 1968 Gun Control Act, you could order a firearm through the mail and it would show up in your mailbox. Now, people today would find that to be an absolutely abhorrent idea because, I mean, someone could take it. It could be stolen out of a mailbox. Well, you know what? (coughs) Sorry. Sorry. Guns could be stolen out of mailboxes back in the 50s, too. They just weren't. People weren't stealing things out of mailboxes. The threat that, you know, tampering with the mail was a federal crime was enough to, to really hold sway over people. We had, in the 50s and, and early 60s, we had a culture that was much more willing to accept and embrace societal norms. As society started to change in the later 60s, we saw a counterculture revolution take place. And that countercultural revolution undermined a lot of the respect that authority held. Now, the authority at the time also wasn't really enjoying that respect because they were not deserving of that respect. And the two go hand in hand. In order for a culture to survive, you have to have a, a system of government that not only commands respect, but deserves respect. And that the people embrace the, the cultural values ...of those leaders. Yeah, this I've been listening to a podcast called The History of Rome, and it is fantastic, fantastically done. It's completely over. The the guy who's doing it took like three years and went through the entire history of the Roman Empire. But I just hit the part where we're talking about <coughs> Caesar Augustus. And Caesar Augustus was a very interesting human being in that, I mean, Octavian, when when he took the role of Caesar after he had defeated Mark Antony... Um, he started a a series of cultural changes in the Roman Empire. One, unlike Julius Caesar, his predecessor, he did not overtly attack the idea of the Republic. He said everything he was doing was in furtherance of the Republic when really it was undermining it and setting himself up to be a complete dictator and emperor and setting up a a, a lineal heritage that would last for decades. But aside from that, he also decided that there was a, a cultural need to have a stable family structure. And so he first required everyone to get married in order to hold public office and then he outlawed adultery which caused a, a tremendous upheaval in Roman society because you now was penalty of death for you to commit adultery. But his reforms were designed to change the hearts of the people, but it didn't change the hearts of the people. It may have put a penalty in place, but the people were still doing what they wanted to do, and that's, that's the end of the, the story, is that people will always do what they want to do, regardless of what the law is. And so, some laws are, need to reflect societal values, and some laws, you know, stand in the bulwark and, and punish people, even though we know that it's not going to change the situation. Uh, his reforms for marriage were, were not only ridiculed, but they were undermined by his own family. His daughter, uh, committed adultery with many prominent Roman citizens in, in an act of defiance against her, her father. And, and so we see that if, if you haven't convinced the heart on what to do, the law is, is really impotent. And that is a a theme that I think carries through with this show with what happens in gun control legislation every time it's brought up. It it doesn't change the hearts of the people who want to do harm, and therefore it is impotent in order to stop any kind of violence that's going to happen. The only thing that's going to stop somebody who has intent to do you harm is the ability to, to end their life in that instant when they have made the choice to abandon societal norms and abandon the the... The walk of reason and become evil, and once they take on that embodiment of evil, there is very little that can be done other than stopping them through direct force. Folks, we'll come up on a commercial break, so we will be right back.
0: And now back to GeorgiaCarry dot org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back, folks. When we took the break, I was trying to make an analogy comparing Augustine um, reforms for marriage and and adultery to uh, current gun laws. And I think that the the lesson to be learned, what has played out for centuries, is that people are going to do what they want to do. And that unless you reach their hearts and minds, that they are going to disregard laws – and that even when you reach their hearts and minds, there are still some individuals who are unpersuaded and take actions into their own hands. And this is the sort of activity we see in all of these shootings that are going on. I mean, we see shootings that are happening. And right now, any time that a gun goes off, the media seems to jump on that there's an active shooter. Well, as we heard a couple of weeks ago from our guest... There's a difference between terrorism and active shooters, and there's a difference between what happens on a day-to-day basis and what's going on um, when there is a larger uh, push from, uh, say, an international organization or an ideological drive to cause havoc, and that's what terrorism is. But we, there was a shooting just the other day. I think it was in Michigan. Uh, somebody shot his ex-girlfriend. There was a shooting. There was that shooting that happened on the the. UCLA, I think it was UCLA campus, where it wasn't really a terrorist shooting. It was a guy who had killed his girlfriend and then went back to kill a professor. And that those shootings are, are not the typical kind of shooting that we think of with mass casualties or a lone gunman who's attacking people. You know, this, for me, this all really started with Columbine. I know that there were prior mass shootings, and I know that there were other incidents before then, but Columbine was kind of the one that set the, the, the gold standard, should we say, in what constitutes that kind of terroristic mass shooting where it's ideologically driven, it wants to create havoc and terror and fear and, and, and make people change their behavior patterns and deliver a message and, and to make the, the shooter famous either in the, the media or in the um, minds and hearts of his fellow compatriots. So, though, the, there's a, there's a, a split there. There's a dichotomy that takes place between the, the different types of shootings. But regardless, we know that more laws is not going to change that. These people are, are doing evil because they want to, and they are going to find ways to do that evil regardless. And a law or a rule or a precept is not going to be something that will hold them in the fold when they've already made that decision the only thing that you can do is either isolate them accept them or live with the terror or stop them through the use of force and that's why we all carry guns really i mean we don't carry guns because we're afraid we carry guns because we recognize that there's a possibility of having to use it to defend ourselves and our families and that we have decided proactively to never be a victim and that's, I mean, that's one of the NRA, I'm going to be teaching an NRA class soon. I'm hoping my materials are coming, but um, that's one of the underlying ideas of, of an NRA course is that you want to refuse to be a victim, and there is no reason to be a victim. You can be much more. You can be a conqueror, and you can take, take charge of the situation and defend yourself and defend your family and defend others if, if need be against someone who's willing to do evil. So here, you know, that, that is what makes us Americans, is that we're willing to stand up and take personal responsibility and, and that we don't want the government doing everything for us, that we want the government to stay out of our way. I mean, these are, these are basic American principles that have been eroded, particularly in, over the last 30 years, ever since the 1986 Firearms Owner Protection Act, which, which, you know, illegalized Uh, the production of new machine guns and, and has caused quite a bit of havoc in, in the way that average citizens view their abilities to own firearms. And this, you know, goes back and forth and everyone, the Supreme Court doesn't want to touch it. Nobody wants to discuss it. It, It's, it's a dead issue in Congress. No one wants to bring it up again. But, you know, if, if I am supposed to be able to defend myself against all enemies, foreign and domestic, I need to have access to the proper tools. And if you want to know what the proper tools are, just look at any SWAT team in Midland America. I mean, these are people who recognize that they're going to be in harm's way. So those are the tools that they have deemed necessary and essential. And why is I, as a citizen, anything less? I was arguing with Jesse just the other day about the nature of law enforcement. And this is a, a topic that always gets me in trouble, okay? So I'm just going to blunder into it. Despite the fact that I'm running for office and despite the fact that I'm sure everyone will try to twist what I'm saying against me, it doesn't matter because the truth is the truth. I'm a law enforcement officer, okay? I'm a criminal defense attorney, and I've been a prosecutor. And, and usually prosecutors get to lump themselves in with law enforcement, but I don't think that prosecutors are any more or less law enforcement than a criminal defense attorney. As a criminal defense attorney, I enforce the law. I enforce different laws. I don't generally enforce laws against stealing or against assault or battery although I have I have been times when I've had to defend somebody against an assault or battery and and make sure that they weren't hurt and stop an incident that was taking place I mean I've been in that situation but that's not you know unique to my position as a defense attorney that's just unique to my position as being a human being who happened to be at the right place at the right time to stop something from happening but As as a defense attorney, I enforce laws that are designed to keep all of us safe. The same as a police officer enforces laws designed to keep all of us safe. When a police officer prohibits people from speeding, that decreases their chances of having an accident. (coughs) And you can have a debate on... How much those chances are versus how much revenue is generated. But in the end, there is a public safety aspect to that. But there's also a public safety aspect for reviewing the way that police officers take people into custody. Because if you are charged with a crime and they are, are abusive towards you when they take you into custody, that review is a law, the, the, the penalties against breaking which keep the public safe. So there it is, public safety is enforced by law, law enforcement, that's what a criminal defense attorney does. If you're accused of a crime, then holding the government accountable so that they've actually proved their case, so that not one innocent person ends up pleading guilty or going to jail. That, that, standing in that gap, enforces the law against self-incrimination, and that protects the public. That protects public safety, public safety, law enforcement, law enforcement officer, I'm an officer of the court, and I stand in that gap. Every time I walk into the courtroom, I stand in that gap to stop people from hurting each other. And as such, I'm enforcing the law of the land. And I think that we need to take on that mantle of responsibility in all of our jobs. When you apply for Georgia weapons carry license, you are taking on a mantle of responsibility that you will use your new office, your position, to enforce... Right and wrong, to never abuse your power, to to uphold the standards and values of the community. And that is something that I don't think should be conferred with the license. It should be conferred with birth. These are birth rights. These are things that come from being an American citizen, from being a part of this country. And it just flows naturally. They are God-given rights. They're rights that are inalienable. You cannot sell them or take them away. And I think that that is something else that is desperately lacking in our understanding of what it means to be an American, is inalienable rights. You cannot take away my right to buy a firearm. It's inalienable. You cannot take away my right to own, keep, or bear arms. Bear. That means go somewhere with it. You know, not rawr, but to carry That's an inalienable right that cannot be taken away. No government can take away that right from you. The right to self-defense, the right to self-preservation, those are inalienable rights that come with being a citizen, not a subject. These are rights that come with being a human being. And as long as you are a human being, these rights are, are inherent to you. The only way that they can be taken away is if they imprison you. And we've got this weird system now, and it drives me nuts, where two-thirds of all Georgians at one point, I don't remember if the statistic has gone up or down or is still true, but there was one point a couple of years ago where two-thirds of all adult Georgians were either incarcerated, on parole, or probation. And the only way that we can maintain a system that has that many people incarcerated, I mean, probation and parole sentences are active jail sentences being served in other means. Every judge will tell you that when you're being sentenced. The only way that we can have that many people incarcerated is that we've developed a system where we say, yeah, you're in jail, but you're not actually going to be in jail. Go take care of yourself, pay your own rent, buy your own food, take care of yourself. But yeah, we're you're still under our control. But we've got you under lock and key. We own you. Two-thirds of all adult Georgians owned by the state what a horrible horrible concept and the way we're getting there is because we have unjust laws and we have too many laws and we have laws that people will not abide by but the government is using it as a method of control and and to deprive us of our basic human rights and that is something that needs to stop we need to stand up to all of these these laws that the legislature is pouring out every year and hold them accountable is this law necessary Does that, when I say necessary, does that mean that this, without this law in place, that terrible injustice would be done? Now there are some laws that are in place because it is expedient. There are some laws that are in place because it is convenient. But that's not the purpose of us having writing laws. Our laws are supposed to be written. Laws are supposed to be directed in order to prevent grave injustice. And the only time you should be trampling on another person's rights is when their rights cause immediate harm to another person because of their exercise. And then it's not really a right. It's a usurpation of the other person's freedom. And that needs to be stood up against. But the government is, is one of the, the greatest implements of usurping freedom as we go through, you know, all of these ordinances and code sections and, and what is done and the backroom deals and the playing of games and House Bill 826. I'm still livid about that. I am absolutely still livid about House Bill 826. And the shenanigans that are played. And, and the collusion between different branches of government to keep the light of day from being shown. Sunlight has a disinfecting property. Folks, we're at a commercial break. I'll, I'll be right back.
0: And now, back to GeorgiaCary.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: All right, folks, welcome back. I I hope that the show has been profitable for you up to this point. I I know we're in the third segment. We've got another segment at the end. I'm going to be shifting gears there a little bit to talk about something a little more near and dear to my heart than than the previous discussion. But uh, before we get there, I want to talk about how to become a member of GeorgiaCary.org. It is the best gun rights group in Georgia. Is it perfect? No. You know why it's not perfect? Because it's made up of people, especially Jerry Henry. You no, know, I'm, I'm kidding. But seriously, you know, there there are always times when people nitpick and complain. And I, I've been to a couple of gun shows lately trying to do my thing and collect my signatures. And I hear that every once in a while. Well, I don't think that GeorgiaCarry.org is doing enough, or I don't think that my money is being well spent, or I don't think that they are really in touch with their membership. And there, there is always times when any of those charges can be leveled with any organization and that they would ring true. But as we look at the whole, and let us take a step back and look at the whole of what georgiacarry.org has accomplished, no gun rights organization, even nationally, comes close to the reforms that have been put in place here in Georgia through georgiacarry.org. No gun rights group, no lobbying group in all of Georgia has the rapport with the legislature that Georgiacarry.org does. And so if you want to be a part of something, if you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, and you want to see changes made, and you want to see that we do not lose freedoms, but we continue a march towards more freedom and, and less government intrusion into our lives, then you need to be a part of the group that's doing it. And that's georgiacarry.org That is absolutely georgiacarry.org day in, day out. The volunteers, the hardworking members are ensuring that this state is held accountable and that meaningful legislation is produced and detrimental legislation does not get to see the light of day. You know, every time that there's a shooting, there's a discussion. Well, you know, is there going to be an assault weapons ban in Georgia? No. No, there will never be an assault weapons ban in Georgia as long as free citizens draw breath here to stand in the way. This will not be allowed to happen. There has been way too many times when politicians are able to slide things through while people are looking the other way. But this is t- a time where we have a watchdog on everything that the legislature does and that the governor does, and that is they are held accountable, either through the legislative process or through the judicial process. And that's what being a member of org means. So how do you be Become a member. Go to www.georgiacarry.org, and when you are at www.georgiacarry.org, all spelled out G E O R I G A, you're gonna see a join now button. Click on that. Twenty dollars a year, five hundred dollars for a lifetime, and lifetime members get special perks, especially at the upcoming convention. And we have a convention coming up in just a little over a month. It's going to be at the the Waverly Hotel in. Uh, marietta it is just off of 285 in the Cobb galleria there's lots of good food there in fact i'm going over there for lunch when i, when I finish the show today i'm going to grab myself some chinese food since since jesse is is recuperating i i figure i deserve some good chinese food and then uh it is a fantastic venue they have always been good to us there they don't mind when we come in open carrying our firearms they're the most respectful hotel we've ever dealt with, and, and we're looking forward to all of the events that weekend. The the uh, well, I was talking about the Lifetime membership. Lifetime members get to have lunch with a speaker, and that is a, a fantastic bonus. But above and beyond that, there's the banquet on Friday night. There is the um, poker game, the silent auction, the zombie shoot, all of the events on Friday night and all day Saturday, the vendors and everything that is going on in this great location and it's something to be a part of and something you want to get involved with and you want to be a member to be there because members, you know, have special privilege when it comes to these membership organization sort of events and you want to be a part of it. Now, if you're thinking about, do, should I really be a member? What are the people at GeorgiaCarry.org like? Then you need to go to a chapter meeting. And there are chapter meetings that are popping up all over Atlanta and Georgia. In Tifton and Valdosta, Augusta, Atlanta, and even in northwest Georgia, things are happening where there are chapter meetings where you can learn more about georgiacarry.org, hear an interesting speaker, have some good lunch, maybe go to the range, and meet some fellow gun enthusiasts like yourself who can show you what it means to be a georgiacarry.org member. So get out there to a chapter meeting. You can also join in person. A lot of people are, are are reluctant to join online and hand out their credit card information. They'd rather just give a $20 bill and, and sign up and, and be a member that way. Go to a gun show. Go to a festival. I'm sure that every festival that's going on in in Georgia right now, there is a org volunteer who is there, if not on the booth, but who is there, ready, willing, and able to accept donations, uh, collect membership dues, and get you signed up to be a member. So go to a gun show. Go to a festival. Go to a fair. Uh, I know that. GeorgiaCary.org is going to be at the Gay Pride Festival. It is an important thing that uh, GeorgiaCarry.org has done to reach out to another community that is beleaguered and under siege and under attack. People who have a realistic fear of being attacked in their their homes and their places of business and their their nightclubs, and that is a shame. It is a a, a crime against humanity and 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 truly a shame on our country that any person should be targeted because of their race, religion, sexual preference, or 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 whatever else that they have chosen to make a part of their lifestyle there we we should be a accepting nation but even when we are an accepting nation we cannot eschew our responsibility that there will still be nut jobs out there who are willing to do harm to people for no good reason and we need to make sure that that community is just as well protected as the african-american community the latino community or any other community especially you know communities of faith and that was the biggest black mark, I think, that org overturned, was a prohibition against carrying in churches and synagogues and mosques, because it was a crime that you could not overcome. You couldn't get permission from your pastor to carry. It was simply a crime, and that was... That was just anathema to me because these are places that are targets. Any gun-free zone is a target, but a church, a place of peace and a place of respite, a place of sanctuary where they are targeting people in the, and it becomes a killing zone because no one is able to defend themselves in there is an, an absolute crime perpetrated by the government. And it is a, a fantastic testament to the GeorgiaCary.org and the hardworking members of GeorgiaCary.org that that was overturned to the extent that it was and I hope that it goes further. I hope that it gets to the point where churches have to individually ban members from carrying a gun, not just that uh, the, a church can allow members to do so. I think that it is an inherent, God-given, fundamental, inalienable right that cannot be taken away, infringed on, or, or um, capitulated to. And it is time that we do something, about all of this. It is time that we stand up and say no, these are our rights. This is our home, this is our place of business, this is our church, this is the way we live and we are not going to be bullied by anyone into in, giving up our security in order to prove a point. And I think that there has been far too much of giving up of our security in in the name of <clears throat> if we can just prevent one crime Well, I'm sorry. The way I'm going to prevent a crime is by defending myself and my family with justifiable lethal force if necessary and only when necessary. But if necessary, then I stand in that gap and I accept that responsibility. And I think that there are a great many Georgians who gladly take on that role and take on that mantle, just like our law enforcement officers and who are willing to stand in the gap and be ready. And you don't see terrorist shootings that are happening where people are ready for them. You see it happening where people are disarmed. Even even the shooting in Chattanooga where it, it was at a National Guard uh, recruitment center. And these were people who are well-trained and able to defend themselves, defend themselves against enemy armies and against improvised explosive devices and, again, in theaters of combat. But they were sitting ducks because they were disarmed by acts of their own government. And that is just absolutely horrendous. So folks, I hope that I've impressed upon you the good work that GeorgiaCarry.org does. And no organization is perfect. And I'm sure there are naysayers out there about every organization. But look beyond, you know, the, the minute criticisms that can surface and look at the overall package of, of a group that is accomplishing something and become a member and help guide the future, become active and help guide org to be more um of of the, the great organization that it has the potential of so that we can reach beyond what we have accomplished in the past and achieve things that seem out of our grasp at this time but when we have more members and more active members that we'll be able to obtain everything that we want especially things like constitutional carry which is starting to bubble up all over the country I, I think it's a shame that that has not gotten real traction in Georgia we should l- be leading the nation not following in this respect but folks we need your help so we're coming up on another commercial break. I'm going to be back to talk about buying a 1911 during the final segment and um, hopefully give you some insights on what you should be purchasing come this 4th of July weekend. I'm going t- to talk to you in a bit.
0: And now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back, folks. So uh, before we took the break, I have been talking about weighty, heavy things from everything from the Roman Empire to the founding of the American nation to how to join GeorgeCarry.org. But I, I want to take a little break in this final segment and talk about buying a gun because we all need to buy a gun. <laughs> it's just one of those things that comes up. So let me tell you all uh, an experience I had this last week. I, I managed to procure a Rock Island Armory, uh, 1911 A2, which is a high capacity double stack 1911 frame, and 9mm and 22TCM. Now the 22TCM cartridge is a 223 cartridge that is shortened to the point that it is the same Overall length is 38 Super or 45 ACP. It's designed to feed from a 1911 magazine and to feed flawlessly. It also has a rim diameter which is almost identical to 9 mm. Uh, the slight variation does not affect the extractor very much which allows you to have switch barrels in the same gun without having to even switch the entire top end. It's a cost-saving measure that allows you to shoot a cheaper ammo and both ammos out of the same gun, I found, were incredibly accurate. They both hit to the same point of aim, and they are both um, well-worked with the platform to be able to feed from the magazines, uh, even though I figured you'd have to have a separate magazine for each of them. I, you know, the magazines are, are the lifeblood of any firearm, and it's kind of like tires for your car. You know, you can have the best sports car on Earth, but if you put cheap tires on it, then you're going to spin, and you're never going to get that horsepower out to the pavement. Well, Magazines are where the horsepower meets the pavement for a firearm, and making reliable feeding a, a, an absolute essential is a good magazine. But here's a magazine that does double duty and does twenty two TCM and 9mm. And I, I was very impressed with it. I, I took it out. I was shooting at some sheet steel. Um, the nine millimeter hit the sheet steel, and made a, a nice, you know, dent in it, and you could see where the the lead bullets were collecting against the sheet metal. Um, the twenty two TCM went clean through. Now, twenty two TCM is a forty grain bullet. It is moving at twenty one hundred feet per second from a five inch barrel, which means that it is approaching two thirds of the energy of a two two three. Uh it is more powerful than the F N five seven and it is in a cheaper platform. Instead of dropping fifteen hundred dollars for an F N five seven, you can drop seven to eight hundred dollars for a Rock Island Armory twenty two TCM nineteen eleven, have seventeen rounds in your hand that is just in every way as every bit effective as uh five seven. And instead of spending a buck to a buck fifty a round for F N five seven, you can get twenty two TCM online for thirty cents a round. It is a reloader's nightmare, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's a bottleneck pistol cartridge, which we all try to avoid, but I don't have a feeling that you're going to be reloading thousands of these rounds anyway. It's much more fun to just purchase. It has very little felt recoil. Uh, it's something that anyone who can shoot twenty-two or twenty-two Magnum from a handgun can handle with ease. Uh, it is absorbed mostly from the, the recoil system in the 1911. <coughs> The one thing that is kind of interesting is the, the muzzle blast. Uh, that cartridge is nowhere near done doing its job at five inches. If you had a longer length barrel, it would probably get up there to being true 223 quality ballistics um I can't wait for them to introduce a AR15 in in this this caliber or maybe something in lines of a uh HK MP5 clone or MP10 I guess it would be because it's a longer case cartridge but um it, it is a fantastic cartridge and it is a fantastic gun but I'm not the only person this week who procured a new 1911 my my beautiful wife uh was able to get herself a Ruger SR 1911 and she absolutely fell in love with it the moment she picked it up all the way down to the grips and you know I have been touting a lot of Ruger products on, on the show here because not because I have any sort of paid endorsement or any reason to advertise for them it's just that I really honestly believe that they make a quality product at this point You know, when Bill Ruger was standing and testifying in front of the house that no honest man needs more than 10 rounds, I was done with the company. But now I see that a new direction is unfolding and they're producing guns that are high quality, worthwhile products, um, not made out of pop metal, but, you know, using good forged seals and, and quality quality all the way through, and so I was pleased when she picked up her 1911, and she was even more pleased when she went out on our back porch and was able to hit the target repeatedly uh, first try without any practice, and so, you know, there there are some things which are just quintessential, and the 1911 is the quintessential American pistol. I'm, I'm sorry, there is nothing more American, perhaps a single-action army, but there's nothing more American that is still an effective combat fighting force today than the M nineteen eleven A one pistol, uh, I have a Cimarron nineteen eleven copy that I enjoy. It doesn't have the the bells and whistles of an A one or the the relief cuts in the the um, frame, but it is it is a quality historical piece. There is so many things out there that we can. Touch back to and remember what it is to be an American. I want you guys to go out and watch a western this this evening when you're when you've got some time, you know, in between fireworks and parades and everything else. When the dogs are trembling underneath your your recliner, pop in a western. Watch watch John Wayne, you know, on Chisholm Trail, or watch watch um, Jeff Bridges lead, you know, the the search in True Grit. Look look at. What Americans used to be like and, and our ideal, our mythology, the the West is American mythology. The gun culture is American religion. These are things that make us who we are. And I want you to get out there and, and revel in it in this Fourth of July weekend, revel in what we do and who we are and why we do what we do. I'm, I'm gonna carry something big and ostentatious. I hope that you will too. I hope that you'll get your kids out and, and have them put some rounds down range, whether it's at a, a local gun range or in your own backyard if it's legal to do so and safe to do that. You know, we, we, some of us live where we have the privilege and, and honor of being able to shoot off our own back porch. And that is something that I wanted my entire life and I've finally achieved it. And I, I'm, I'm nowhere near the point where I'm ready to retire or, or to fade off into you know, the quietness of, of being able to relax, but I have the house to do it in now. And that, when that day does finally come, I'm going to be very peaceful and happy there as I look out my back porch and know that this is a free country and a free land and we can do what we want to do and, and respect our culture and our values and are the meaningfulness of of being an American citizen and being a org member and being a Georgian and being a citizen of each of our counties, as many as there are in Georgia. You know, this is a, a great place to live. It's way too hot. This is just insanely hot. I don't know. In this this studio where I'm at, it is like baking, and I'm dripping sweat back here. But it is... It is a great place to raise a family. It's a great place. And there are wonderful opportunities here. There are good schools here. There's access to medical treatment. There's places for our elderly. I, I am, my grandmother is, is, you know, convalescing and a assisted living facility due to her, uh, dementia and, and various health problems right there in Cartersville. You know, she's become a part of what it is to, to be a, a citizen of Cartersville. And I go to her convalescent home and and walk through the assisted living center and and I, you know these are this is my community, this is my family, these are my friends, and that sort of sense of community is what we need to to foster that's what's going to hold the the evil at bay is when we start to see each other not as not as an annoyance not as someone who cut us off in traffic but as a part of a larger community that we can work together and believe in that we have shared values and we, we want the best for our children we want the best for our citizens we want the best for everybody who is a part of this great country and it's time that we start to get back to that and 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 remembering what John F. Kennedy said, it's not, it's ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. You want to do something for your country. Stand up for freedom. Stand up for your rights. Do not buckle under when someone says you need to give up your rights. Never give up your rights. Never give up, never surrender, never back down. Stand up for your rights because you standing up for your rights is standing up for the rights of your neighbor and your children and their children's children. Every, every successive generation stands on the shoulders of giants when it comes to rights, because if we allow those rights to be taken away, if we say that this is no longer a value, this is no longer important, this is no longer what we believe in as a community, then those values will not be instilled in our children. I go back again to Rome. There was a time when the Republic was everything, and every man would stand to defend it. But by the, the late reign of, of, Octavius, uh, Caesar Augustus, who declared all the world should be taxed, remember him? By the time you got to the late part of his reign, there was two generations who had grown up knowing nothing but imperial rule. And by the time you get there, then they don't understand what freedom is. We have generations now that have grown up not knowing that you can buy a machine gun. We have generations who have grown up not knowing that you can order a gun through the mail. These rights have been lost. They've been lost into the annals of history and time because the current generation doesn't know they exist. And it's not just gun rights. It's every right. There is so much that is being lost simply through inaction and and not being educated about what it means to be a free person. Folks... I'm out of time, and I could sit here and talk all day about what we need to do to change this country and to bring back greatness and to do more, but I don't have the time, so I need you to go out and carry the message to your friends and neighbors on this Fourth of July holiday weekend that freedom still matters and freedom still rings. I'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.
0: This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.